0: Oh no, there's another squad attacking. Welcome to the Third Party, an Apex Legends podcast hosted by myself, Shay, and joined as always by my co-host, Henry. Henry, how's it going today? It's going well. This really kind of
1: snuck up on us. This countdown of the next season, like, we've just been on a roll and I can't believe we're here already.
0: We've been making just unique pieces of content after unique piece of content, and now all of a sudden we just got all these news and leaks and trailers to talk about, and that's what we're doing. Today we're breaking down these stories from the Outlands and discussing some confirmed content for Season 11, how that might impact the game, and then having a cool little pick rate discussion uh, on top of it. But before we do that, we want to make sure you join our Discord to chat Apex, find teammates, and receive third-party updates. Link for that is in the description.
1: Big things coming up for the third party. Uh, The biggest one is the video podcast. And to celebrate, we are releasing limited edition, full-size, third-party podcast, Apex movie posters. Check out the link in our description. There are a handful of them left, so make sure you secure yours now. But speaking of the video podcast, we're doing a trial run of early access to the video podcast this week. Our patrons will be able to view our video podcast this right now. So hello to the patrons on video, um, and we'll hope to hear your feedback. But you can join this elite crew uh, with another link in our description. We'd love to have you there. And if you could help us by providing your feedback on the video pod, that'd be a ton of help.
0: Yep, your voices uh, really do matter over there. But I got to say on that poster front, HB's rocking it in the background right now. It's killer. I think we're both confident in saying it's the best Apex Legends poster out there right now and uh, definitely worth the pickup if you haven't gotten to it yet. Make it an early Christmas present or something for yourself.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we were debating on if we should have one or two each Yeah, because (laughs) I kind of like it in the background so I can show everybody, but I also want to look at it. So maybe you have one behind the desk. So Mm -hmm. we'll see what happens, but definitely don't miss out on it. It's a cool one.
0: Totally. With that, though, let's dive into the news. First piece of news, we got the stories from the Outlands, Ashes to Ash, introducing the next legend, Ash. After all this time of teasing, leaks, guesses, we're finally getting a character from Titanfall in the game's is crazy before we walk through the story because we're going to try to and to quote you kind of saying it's the most confusing stories from the Outlands yet any first things that you just got to say before we kind of try and break this trailer down for people hype is real
1: the hype is real for sure i mean ash is so iconic um, you know, we'll be talking about her for the next two to four weeks, yep, uh, probably, probably on every longer. episode. Yeah. So <laughs> buckle up for that. We're excited, but yeah, this one, this story from the Outlands, was a lot to unpack. So mm-hmm. I think it's important to try our best to explain what really happened. Because normally, I think these stories are pretty straightforward, pretty cut and dry, good backstory, and this one is clearly backstory, but it leads some questions, you know, more so than others. So I think we have a lot to to go through.
0: We got a lot to unpack. Uh, we're not like diving into the history of Ash though right now. Mm-hmm. If you really want to know that, honestly, we'll probably talk about it and visit it in an upcoming episode when we talk about her in more in depth. But you can also go listen back to our old Breaking Down the Lore of Titanfall episodes uh, in which a lot of that information is covered. So feel free to check that out. But let's start with this trailer. Uh, We open on what looks to be just prior to the events of Pathfinder's Quest and the big finale over there. Uh, An important note, though, is that the evil Dr. Reed actually seems to be seen and portrayed as someone that is doing a good deed and a nice person at the start uh, at the beginning of the story by sending newton home to avoid being killed in the huge massacre of pathfinder's quest uh, which that kind of starts to lead us to actually believe that he's still alive which was very much unconfirmed until this point very speculative we'll revisit that again later in this trailer we then get some cuts to gunfire and see the sword stab dr reed in the pathfinder's quest story it's followed up by a close-up of her on the operating table run through by a sword with blood everywhere it's not a pg-13 picture in my opinion but you know that's neither here nor there the doctors are in the background explaining they can't save her body but maybe the mind one doctor kind of like explains that the trauma of this process though would be unimaginable and then all of a sudden dr reed exclaims just do it I think it's interesting to note, like, does she know what she's signing up for at this point? Does she know she's going to become a simulacrum or is she just like willing to do anything to live? Like she's afraid of death or something. I think it's going to be a cool discussion to see in the future. We then get to go through a montage of what seems to be a visual of the mind being processed into a simulacrum. And we see what has been teased in the comic on comics on social media the last week or so with Horizon using those wake up codes on Ash. We got another montage there of quick cuts from what we know about Ash from Pathfinder recovering her in the garbage bin to her getting crushed in Titanfall, which first sighting of Jack Cooper and BT in the Apex universe officially. I know you were hyped about that, I'm sure.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I think that it's interesting that in this story from the Outlands, the death of Ash from Titanfall 2 in the campaign is remembered a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. In the original game, there was not a lot left. Like, BT crushes her completely, and there is liquid coming out. Like, it is pretty grotesque, so they kind of scaled that down a little bit, which I think we can all appreciate. Mm -hmm. Um, So, there's something to rebuild.
0: It's a little more canon now that there's something there. And if you weren't confused already, here's where things start to get a little more confusing. While this is happening, we seem to be getting this internal back and forth between the Ash we know and the one that has been announcing the Arena's games and Dr. Reed, the former saying, you've been tucked away all this time, you're nothing but dust on my path and calling Dr. Reed weak, all while Dr. Reed's like fighting back these notions and confusion Asking who the other person is, she's essentially getting woken up and is just out of it, has no idea what's going on. Horizon finishes the wake up sequence and is asking for Lillian, but is answered by Dr. Reed. And Horizon really comes to the horrible realization that she just woke up the person who separated her from her son. Like, as bad as it could get when you're getting a random person that you're not expecting. Dr. Reed cries out, though, Please, you have to stop her. I know what happened to Newton. And then Dr. Reed swept away in a visual back into the mind and the ash that we know from the arenas kind of comes out and announces that she now has this valuable information. She's going to put it to use. It's crazy. The big takeaway we seem to get from this is that a simulacrum can potentially host two different minds inside of it. This is further confirmed by the descriptions from the stories from the Outlands saying Ash's problems are all in her head but that's the most dangerous place they could be. Who is Ash and who is Leigh? So really we have this huge question now. We finish this trailer and we have to ask who's the second personality in Ash's head? Ashley Reed is obviously the name of the doctor that we've all assumed for now is 100% Ash for a long time. I think we're going to circle back on this later. I'm not sure how much we're going to be able to theorize unless you got any crazy bold guesses you want to throw out there. Maybe is there another person in there fighting with Dr. Reed and Ash or did something go wrong when they simulacrumed Ash? And that's the word we're using now. And it's like a split personality inside. Maybe did she already have some split personality traits before she went in? And now the simulacrum really brings that out. I think there's a lot to unpack there and seeing what potentially comes in to the games is going to be crazy over the next season or two.
1: Yeah, those are some really good questions. And there's a lot there. Um, I think that it's clear at this point that Ash's backstory coming into the game is one of finding her own identity. You know, I think that Cuban Blisk will likely be involved in some mm-hmm. way um, to her participating in the Apex games, but it's pretty clear that she wants to know who she is. And that's been clear. Since Titanfall 2. Like that's mm-hmm. been our primary motivator for a long, long time. Um, that question about, you know, multiple personalities being a, a long term thing is definitely interesting. But the main issue here is who is Ash? What is this simulacrumed personality? And I think mm-hmm. that not to answer with more questions, but <laughs> we know a lot about Revenant, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Revenant is a creepy dude who is obsessed with death, who does not view humans as people at all.
0: Dude was a killer before he became simulacrumed. Yes. Like, why? But
1: I don't know if a hitman really spoke like that, thought like that. True. So I believe that maybe Revenant has a similar struggle in his own head. And. Mm-hmm. The simulacrumed revenant took over his kind of human consciousness. So there may be that you know two fighting personalities, but the bad guy, the the machine that thinks mm-hmm. it's a human that is a simulacrum, is winning that fight. Um, it also has to be posed. How does Ash work? Is there a source code? Is this Mm -hmm. just going to be a repetition of the same kind of simulacrum story we had in Season 5? Or is this something new? Like, It seems like a different story. There is a different conflict in Ash and her introduction to the game, but is this something that can be solved? Can we Mm -hmm. undo this simulacrum or not? It didn't seem like an option with Revenant, but this could be different.
0: It's just so interesting though, because we have always seen Dr. Reed as evil. And now in this trailer, we almost don't get her showed in that way. We see her as the victim of this simulacrum personality, the other one that's in there. Even if all goes well and we get Dr. Reed's personality in full control of Ash, is that what we want. I don't think Horizon's going to be thrilled with that, but she's kind of forced into doing so now because she holds information about Newton. And that kind of poses the second question you get from this trailer. Why does Horizon want to wake up Ash? And I think we have to remember that as the player and observer of this universe, uh, we know all the information. Horizon, on the other hand, thought that simulacrum ash was a version of lillian peck her friend which we kind of know that from the comics so because of that she believed waking her up could help her find newton from a helpful source and obviously she woke up someone that knows something about newton but it was not who she was expecting and so we also know the lead writer there has confirmed more in-game voice lines between ash and horizon than there are for revenant and loba in season five which is kind of crazy to think about because that was a mind bending thing for us to observe uh back in season five this relationship is going to be one to explore is she going to be having conversations between horizon and ash is there going to be her conversations between ash and or dr reed and horizon is there going to be internal conversations with ash it's i don't even know it's it's going to be a long way to go and see
1: I think the point you made about the different side of Dr. Reed that we saw in this stories from the Outlands
0: mm-hmm. is
1: the prime driver for, was there some personality conflict before, before the simulacrum mm-hmm. nation? Yeah.
0: Well, and it's like, Apex has not shied away from covering mental health and sensitive subjects along those lines. so by all means i think that's very much in the realm of possibility and it would be fascinating to see how many video game characters have you played as that have uh, like a multiple personality disorder like not many yeah. that i can think of off the top of my head
1: <laughs> it seems pretty cool and you know you can already think about interesting voice lines that have to do with that you know we totally. always have relationships between legends but is there going to be two legends in one body that people have different relationships with and speak differently with? Like Mm -hmm. I think story-wise, there's a lot here. Um, But needless to say, we're very excited.
0: Yeah. And like we said, we're going to keep talking about Ash, but we got more stuff to cover today. So let's dive into what also came out with this trailer was kind of the abridged patch notes of what we can expect in season 11 or 10. And that means we're getting the car SMG. A new weapon coming to the games. The car is described as this. A flexible weapon, the car SMG, is the gun for when you are ready to make a stand and become the last legend still standing. Description from Titanfall, the combat advanced round submachine gun, car SMG. And so if we're pulling directly from this Titanfall gun, we will see a gun that falls somewhere in between the R301 and R99. I know you've kind of been posing the question on Twitter and such, what does flexible mean? I think this is a very fascinating conversation. What are you expecting with the car right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, flexible, definitely uh, a weighted word. I'm not really sure what that means, but some ideas are perhaps there are multiple ammo types that you can toggle to, likely, light, and heavy. It's a good idea one of my more favorites but there are some logistical issues with that Mm -hmm. number one inventory management wise could be very complex to just implement and also who cares do i want to carry more ammo types like what is the advantage to that ability other than just being able to pick up all types of ammo um does it potentially mean there's different rate of fires and different damages per ammo type that you use that kind of seems a little far-fetched so i like the idea of having multiple ammo types but i don't know if it's really going to happen
0: yeah it'd be such a hard one like you said logistically with like how do you prioritize which ammo is coming out when you're shooting yeah. first are there different effects between each ammo we don't really have that in the games right now like fully but would this have some sort of effect on if you reloaded with heavy versus light do you get different magazine sizes or something i think there's a lot of questions that would have to be answered there for sure
1: it would be really complex and likely overly complex for a game so Mm -hmm. i don't know about that one but i do like the idea another idea is that maybe the iron sights have a variable optic built in like a one to two Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know just base optic
1: I think that that is possible, unlikely, but possible. One or two times, not the most favorite site for everybody. Mm-hmm. You and I seem to be able to use it, but <laughs> some people avoid it like the plague. Um, the other idea is that maybe this is an SMG coming back to multiple different fire modes. So single Mm -hmm. fire, maybe burst and full auto, maybe having all three, that's incredibly flexible. And I think the most direct interpretation of a flexible weapon, but outside of those ideas, we also know that the original uh, adaptation of the car in Titanfall Mm -hmm. was that it was a highly modified version of the R101 assault rifle. So it is a close cousin to the best assault rifle in the Apex universe. This could just be the meaning of a flexible weapon. It's a mid-range SMG with great hip fire.
0: Mm -hmm. That'd be a good gun in Apex. It's going to be good regardless. Yeah, it's going to be solid. It's coming into a very good space. I don't believe we're just going to be throwing in another version of the alternator for the loot pool's sake. Like this is going to have an impact. I know people are freaking out thinking that the R301 is going to the care package because of it very well, maybe possibility, but I would bet against it and would blow my mind. And you'd be asking a lot of this gun to come in and replace it. Essentially. I think you're getting something really good in the light ammo class though, for the most part.
1: Yeah, this, like Ash, we'll be talking about the car for a long time as more information comes out, we get our hands on it. Uh, but I have to say, I really love the SMGs right now. Totally. Volt, Prowler, R9, different ammo types, all very strong and viable. How is this car going to fit in? You know, it, mm-hmm. is it going to replace that alternator, like you said? It's probably going to be better than the alternator. Is it going to be as good as the R9? Is it going to be as good as the R301? I think it's, it's close. You know, like the 3030, there's not a whole lot of room for it to really thrive, but we've seen that the 3030 has come a long way since its initial release. Hop-ups can really do wonders. Um, And we'll see. I'm very excited, but, definitely hesitant and we've been thinking about the car coming into the game
0: for forever forever yeah. mm-hmm.
1: literally forever and i've always kind of been cautious about it because i don't really know where it fits but now that it's here we're going to make it work
0: we're going to make it work any gun that can take a barrel stabilizer has a chance to be really good though oh, so 100% definitely have an open door for something powerful Next piece of news from those same patch notes, we got a little map teaser. So we have the launch trailer for like the, not the gameplay one, but more the story one is coming on Thursday at a.m. PST uh, with the preview right now showing pathfinder on a boat in front of a tropical Island with a crashed ship on it, reading in a little magazine, applying some sunblock, maybe some oil. We'll see. Uh, There's just this huge tropical paradise in the background. And then you got a Pathfinder postcard on social media that's titled greetings from pure bliss. And I'm fascinated because we're getting the vacation vibes, but I can't imagine the legends all going together somewhere and going on a nice, peaceful vacation when there's going to be weapons everywhere. Uh, From those patch notes, though, we got a little description, little teaser saying a storm is brewing. No matter how beautiful it seems, every corner of the Outlands is a dangerous place. You'd be wise to remember that. Come on, how can we not go immediately to weather, the storm, what we've been talking about for the past like couple weeks on this show, about what we might be seeing on a new map. The room for what we could do here is special, I think. They've learned a lot from the last three maps, and I'm sure they want to keep nailing them in the future. I'm beyond excited that this is coming in the next season and really excited for this trailer to kind of see it in action for the very first time.
1: Really, really pumped. I mean, weather, like you said, huge, definitely a, a new evolution of Apex, I'd hope. I mean, mm-hmm. I can't not imagine that this is going to feel a lot different, that this isn't just going to be, oh, we're having vehicles, which we will have on this new map, um, but weather is just so open and has so Mm -hmm. many possibilities. And the idea of a tropical paradise, I think you're right. I don't know if it's going to be a paradise. You know, this is a (laughs) blood sport. It's -hmm. probably going to be violent, not a whole lot of rest and relaxation going on, but uh, a new map. I mean, who isn't excited for that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. On Saturday, we will kind of be breaking down the trailer and some of our thoughts, what we know and don't know about the map so far, so stay tuned for a little bit more in-depth dive on it then. Last piece of news, though, we're going to talk some ALGS, split one of the Pro League commenced over the weekend. Congratulations to Space Station Gaming and the NA and Invictus Gaming and the E-ma, E-ma, EMEA region I forget how we pronounce that apologies uh, they came out on top for this first split and there's some things we got to talk about we're going to chat about pick rate but first there's a new coaching rule that we need to discuss because it's mind-blowing so there was a rule change where coaches are allowed to be in the team discord and talk to players mid-match about anything even the five-minute delayed streams of other players that are streaming on Twitch. You can feed whatever info you want to your team, positioning of other teams, theoretical beacons of other teams scanning, where to rotate, where people are fighting. Hopefully, I think the stream delay is like the reasoning or like the, oh, this is how you do it. But my, oh my, is this something interesting and not something we've really seen in another pro scene before the ability to watch other players you've had like live comms before but never so much that you've got your six monitors up and you're watching hal and you're watching all these other teams to see where they're at on the map even though it's just a little delay that's still pretty dang valuable information
1: oh yeah it it's really really insane to me i think Mm -hmm. that this is really a drastic rule change that should be addressed. I'm anticipating it'll be walked back. That's how impactful I think it is. I agree. Um, You know, you think about professional apex. We talk about it. We'll say it again. It is a different game. You know, there Mm -hmm. are predetermined drop locations. People do not fight right off rip. People want to survive longer. They don't really want to risk it because Mm -hmm. there's thousands of dollars on the line. That being said, If you're able to look at other people's streams, you can probably assess a lot of key things Mm -hmm. like the survey beacon, like where they're rotating and even what weapons they have, because Mm -hmm. you can't really loot death boxes in the open and professional apex. The weapons that you get at the beginning are likely what you're going to keep. So knowing if a team is doing something crazy and going snipers, or one mm-hmm. of them is going snipers. It's incredibly impactful information. Or if a team's going heavy G7, or if they're they're short range only. So mm-hmm. just a crazy change to how the ALGS is run. We will see who will really take advantage of this rule change. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's opportunities for Shay and I to become coaches, <laughs> but you know, this is taking the shot collar away from the player and putting Mm -hmm. so much of the strategy into the coaching role, which really frees up the player to do a lot. We were just talking about in our mouse and keyboard versus controller discussion about how much brain power it takes to play Apex, that there's so much going on, you can remove positioning, rotating, Mm -hmm. enemy identification, like that's big and you don't have to make those calls. There's, there's one person with nearly perfect information. Game changer.
0: Yeah. One of the counter arguments to this, because it was majority people were on Twitter pros as they should be in our first opinion, saying like, hey, this is not a good rule, but we have to do it because we need to win because this is our livelihood. There's money involved. Yeah. But the counter argument was that, hey, everyone was already doing this. They were already watching Twitch streams of their opponents, but there's no way to prove that. You can't control if someone has a second monitor open or something that has streams going of everybody else. Interesting argument. I would say that, you know, we just graduated college. We did a lot of proctorio remote exams. I got to think there's some sort of technology the team at EA can come up with to make sure something like that's not happening Um, because not streaming is not the answer, which I saw some people talking about on social media because I think the ALGS stream had 12,000 viewers or something around that, and Hal on his own had about 43 or 45,000. So you can't cut off that audience in that way, shape, and form. It, it's a very tough argument. I'm really interested to see what continues to happen, and it's going to be one to monitor for sure. But it's a switch up to the ALGS unlike anything we've seen before.
1: Huge change.
0: Let's talk pick rate real quick, though. So we're going to go over the NA pick rate. some interesting takeaways your boy though gibby 99.6 percent pick rate that's insane i think we had a wraith at a hundred a long long time ago but it's been a long time since we've had something up there this high the top team comp was gibby valk caustic those are the three most pick legends and that was the most popular team kind of a meta shift away from the octane that we've been used to Huge shout out to whoever logged the one fused pick and a couple loba mains out there because we'd love to see that. But what are your first instincts maybe from looking at this pick rate and seeing Gibby just so utterly dominant in the ALGS right now?
1: Not surprised, Shay. Not surprised. We say it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Gibraltar is the best legend, been the best legend. No, no cap. You know, it's just the truth. Um, and I think for a long time, over the last year. You know, since Olympus really came in, I think there was a re, like emergence of the strength of Gibraltar and people understanding how critical he is. Where mm-hmm. you're always in a situation if you don't have a Gibraltar that you wish you had a Gibraltar. Totally, like, the kit is so robust. Um, so I'm not surprised at all by that. What I am thrilled to see is the Valk play. I totally. mean, Valk is a very difficult legend, a very fun legend to watch, in my opinion, um, and to just see that the rotational ability and the mobility is valued at the high mm-hmm. level. It's something that I feel was overlooked on her release. She came out, a lot of mm-hmm. players and streamers were saying, "Ah, eh, she's fine, I like Pathfinder better, or she's really balanced. When if somebody says a legend is really balanced on release, <laughs> what they really mean is, they're not very good and they're not going to play them. So Mm -hmm. I love that the pros are playing Valk and you know, it takes time for the pros to to learn a new kit and implement it. And this is a big, big indicator that Valk is powerful and you should play her.
0: It's so interesting to see how the style of play is changing right now. Again, we're going to these caustic end circles and valk is being played in large part because she can fly above all this end game gas in the final rings on those slow shrinks and you see a lot of them get lasered out of the sky but all it takes is for your one valk to win and not be suffocating in the gas and you're getting dubs in that form right now so i'm so curious to see what happens though with our new season coming out we're a little nervous something's coming for gibby maybe it's obviously going to impact this if there's something coming hopefully not but let's take a little break from our sponsors because i want to talk about where gibby's at in public pick rate versus where she's at where he's at in the algs and talk about this tough discussion how do you buffer nerf based on that so here's a little word from our sponsors and we'll get back to you soon welcome back let's do it let's talk about it where do you want to start with pick rate because obviously it's a number we've discussed so much and one that we seriously value here at the third party
1: yeah i mean you can kick things off by asking does pick rate matter Mm -hmm. and the easy answer that we're going to get to eventually so might as well just cut to the chase if anything matters at all it's pick rate Mm -hmm. so if you care about numbers if you think there's anything you can pull away from data in a video game maybe you don't but if you do Pick rate does matter. Mm -hmm. Which legends do players want to play? That's really the best explanation of what pick rate really is. Now, the reason for them playing may not be the most intuitive, but Mm -hmm. it does matter. The number still matters. Some may assume that players play the most powerful legends.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: That would not be true. Players play the most fun legends. Mm -hmm. put simply winning in apex doesn't happen often enough to directly inspire legend selection at Mm -hmm. scale across the entire player base
0: you see it at the tippity top level when winning is all that matters but for the majority of the audience and that's kind of what pick rate measures unless you start segmenting it is it measures the majority of the audience's opinion and so that's how you get this like it is for fun and it's a Awesome measurement in that form and looking at it in that way.
1: Yeah. I mean, typical win percentage uh, for maybe an average player is about 5%. That means one out of 20 games you're going to win. Players don't choose their legend for that one in 20 opportunity because you think about how long is your average game, multiplied out by 20 games on average. You know, you're playing for those 20 games, not the one win. So the whole Picking a legend based off what you want to play, what's fun, that's really what pick rate is. Now, when we assess pick rate, we only really look for two things. The first one being the the distribution of the legends. What groups can we make, and from that, what can we conclude about legend popularity? The second thing is changes in pick rate. Is it inspired by a stimulant or a change? From this, we can speculate if a change is needed or not. If Mm -hmm. nothing's happened to a legend balance-wise for a long, long time, but their pick rate keeps on increasing, probably time for a nerf or some sort of change um, if it's getting into an unhealthy state. Mm -hmm. But going into the rest of this conversation, um, all of our data comes from Apex Legends status, It's based off of a database that's nearly 7 million players out of approximately 13 million active weekly players. This is a very healthy sample size and with a confidence level of 99%. -hmm. That being said, a player is tracked on this website may be the top 7 million players in the world. Mm -hmm. So if you want to help us get better data, which the senior business analyst at Apex told us we will likely never receive from them, please go sign up on Apex Legend Status. Claim your account. This can help your game a lot, looking at breakdowns match-to-match match, over seasons, uh, but it will, it would also help us.
0: And they're doing so much awesome work over there, adding new features, starting to provide tools for Discord and trackers, all this kind of amazing stuff if you have not heard of them. It is a definite must follow on Twitter and it is a definite website that you should have uh, in your bookmarks. Maybe if you're a diehard Apex fan that cares about the numbers, which it seems like a lot of the people listening to our show do at this point, if you're still around.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a primary resource for us. We'll definitely be reporting on it uh, whenever it's applicable, mm-hmm. um, but definitely least you can do go put your your gamer tag in, look at your stats, claim your account and we'll be good to go, and our data will just get more and more accurate. So we all love that.
0: Let's do it. Let's talk about some of the legends, though, and kind of uh, have some fun with this pick rate discussion, because I think the key thing is pulling the valuable information and recognizing maybe what is not as applicable to everyday conversation.
1: Yeah. So to kick things off,
0: Octane. Mm-hmm.
1: Octane is dominant. Currently, at a 14.7% pick rate. To put that into perspective, Octane's pick rate is followed by Wraith, who sits at 11.7%, or 20% less relative in popularity. Mm-hmm. Nearly 2 million players main Octane. That's 10 times the amount of crypto players. Yeah. Is that okay? It's is a really tough a question. question. <laughs> yeah. And- We've studied pick rate every single day for over a year. I kid you not. Like, I don't know if anybody in the world thinks about pick rate as much as we do. Mm-hmm. Um, but about six months ago, we were under the impression that a dominant legend in pick rate was a major red flag, must be corrected with nerfs. Later on, a couple months went by. Um, we would have then recommended buffing other legends over strong nerfs. However, today, we think that the state of Octane is actually acceptable and likely very positive for the game for a few reasons. Mm -hmm. First one being Octane is fun and very approachable to play. Not a huge like high skill ceiling, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: pretty just generally fun the kit isn't very confusing you go fast and have a bounce pad it's very approachable Mm -hmm. the second reason that this dominant pick rate is okay is that octane doesn't dominate in win rate or encounter win rate that octanes aren't just winning every game every fight across the board and everybody's playing him on every single team and that's the most important thing
0: yeah Yeah. like if if you were going to say hey a legends like obviously the outliers are what is important to look at octane is an outlier in the grand scheme of like looking at the other legends but 14.7 versus 11.7 it's not like we're talking about like a 10 to 15 percent difference that's gonna obviously potentially then lead to us thinking oh he must be played that much more because you're winning that much more and if winning's the end goal winning is gonna kind of be a decipher of is it fun or not because if you're not playing octane then you're at a disadvantage to win and that's really not fun and that is not the case right now instead it's just a legend that people really like for like all the reasons you said fun approachable great skins like a really fun character model as well like you just have a good time whenever you log in and play octane for the most part
1: yeah the current live balance designer john larson who came on the show Pretty much explain that if a legend is a must pick, that's a problem. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and Octane's play style, his very essence is of a daredevil, of somebody who's going to risk it, do mm-hmm. things that they shouldn't do for fun. That means that's that they're not always indicative of winning. Yeah. You know? <laughs> they're going to get overextended. They're going to hurt themselves with their stim, go right into a three stack. Like they're going to die. And, mm-hmm. I think that Octane is probably the best candidate to have somebody at the top. It doesn't feel oppressive. Launch pads mm-hmm. are fun. Everybody can use them. Octanes aren't inherently scary when you see mm-hmm. them. So if you enjoy playing Octane, it's good that he should remain in his current state, which many would say is powerful.
0: Yeah. Well, walk me through who the rest of the like, upper tier legends are, essentially, and let's talk about them a little bit, too.
1: Yeah. So when we look at all the pick rates, we can categorize them into just a few groups. Um, You know, you don't really look at it in a clear third, like Mm -hmm. high, middle, and low, because it's really skewed to the top and to the bottom. So there's four groups that we've established, but that top legend group is Octane, Wraith, Bloodhound, and Pathfinder.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Apart from Octane, There's a pick rate range of 9.2% for Pathfinder and 11.7% for Wraith. Mm -hmm. And the interesting notes here are that this top four have not changed over the last season. Pretty interesting that that was not a major driver of any Mm -hmm. balancing changes like it maybe has in the past. However, Octane and Wraith have had significant decreases. From their peaks.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, from last season, Octane has come down two point five percent in pick rate mm-hmm. and Wraith is down one percent. Maybe that doesn't sound like a lot, and maybe it isn't, but it's substantial relative to other legends across the last season and kind of how they change over time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Question now is why did they go down? Octane did at the beginning of the season get small nerfs to his passive and Mm. what I would say a nothing nerf to the ultimate. The regen on the passive went from one and a half hit points per second to health down to one. And then there was a 12.5% decrease in the horizontal pad distance that I don't think anybody has felt Ever Mm -hmm. once.
0: It hasn't changed the use case of the ult. And that's kind of when you start. Those are the balancing changes that when you change how you're going to use an ability, that's when you might see an impact on that pick rate. And I love that the region going up to 1.5, nobody even knew about in the first place. So it going back down to one, I'm sure there's a huge audience that doesn't even know that it was ever changed, honestly, outside of feel.
1: 100%. I I think that's totally true. And as a numbers guy, like, 1.5 to 1 is a massive shift. Like, Mm -hmm. that's huge. 33% decrease is nothing to ignore, but given the actual mechanic of this ability, very hard to actually feel any tangible benefit or disadvantage from the nerf. But the question remains, why did Octane and Wraith go down at all? Mm -hmm. I think the main reason for that is just other legends that the most popular legends are probably going to suffer the most from new legends, new balancing changes, because that's where most players are concentrated and most players probably want to try out new stuff. Mm-hmm. So, and that's why lose.
0: it's important to monitor over the full season mm-hmm. long. We can't have this episode two weeks in because then we'll tell you that, you know, Sears got a 45% pick rate and that's not going to be uh, very fun for our comparisons and chats. Then we're just going to say, nerf them into the ground.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think it, We're kind of looking at data from season nine all the way through season 10 in order to Mm -hmm. kind of get that law of large numbers balancing out over the large averages. Um, And the final legend in this top category to look at is Bloodhound increased this season drastically due to the New Day, New Dawn event. Still, as of recording, is up 0.6% above their season nine pick rate. So Mm -hmm. we'll see that's down from the peak from that event, but we'll kind of see if. That event inspired people to become a bloodhound man again, yeah, and that yeah. kind of remains through the season and into season eleven.
0: I think this uh, batch of legends is such an interesting one to look at for the pick rate because we just did mastering legends for Pathfinder, and we had this huge discussion around, "Hey, Path needs a passive, you know, needs some attention or something." Like that's how people feel, but yet Path is still played. Is it because he's fun and just beloved as a character? Does that mean he deserves a buff even though he doesn't have a passive? Do you get too much attention if you give Pathfinder an actual passive or change the abilities? That's why I think we are starting to see so much buffs and nerfs combined. Give a little, take a little, the reworks, and by God, it is a hard line for those devs to walk. So I'm very impressed that they do so, and if it gets away from them occasionally, I think we'll uh, we'll make it out alive in the long term. So... That's just an interesting thing to monitor, though, when you're thinking about, hey, like, I really want some attention for my Pathfinder. Pathfinder is getting a lot of attention from the majority of the Apex audience, and it's an interesting place to be. Yeah, 100%. Moving on to
1: the next category, we like to call this the solid legends. So they're not top of the pick rate, but they're in a very, very healthy place in terms of Mm -hmm. popularity.
0: We're not worried. (laughs)
1: I'm not worried about them. Like they're very, very strong. They're not in a place where they Mm -hmm. need a buff. And there's a really healthy amount of players that choose them all the time. So Mm -hmm. they're solid. And that's Lifeline, Valkyrie, Bangalore, Horizon, Caustic, and Loba. So this entire group is really close to a 5.5% pick rate, which... Currently, we have 18 legends. So Mm -hmm. if everybody just had a uniform pick rate, that would be Mm 5.5%. This group of solid legends is at the highest end, 1.4% above that. At the lowest, 1.2% below that. So this is a really tight range right on kind of that perfect pick rate of about 5%. Very Um, nice. Really healthy place Mm -hmm. to be for any legend, anyone in this category you should be playing. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm,
1: the totally. top legends is not a great indicator uh, like who to play. Definitely play those top four. Like, totally. Not at all. Saying not to do that, but a lot of times when the legend gets really popular, that kind of gets exaggerated by content mm-hmm. creators, people kind of playing what their friends are playing. But if you look at this solid legends list, these are legends whose kit is very well defined it's likely going to be approachable Mm -hmm. a really good group to pull from and i like this group a lot there's a lot of really strong picks here
0: it's like you look at those top legends and there's a clear you know pattern essentially they're very fun their movement not to say valkyrie who's in our kind of solid tier but the newer legends it does take time to get into that upper tier we haven't really seen anyone get up there and sustain it for a long period of time These solid tier legends, and then even a couple in the lower ones that we'll talk about soon, they're very valuable for team utility and winning, like in terms Mm -hmm. of if you care about that. Yeah, Loba and Caustic may not be as fun to play as the person that flies through the sky with a grapple or launches jump pads everywhere, but when you have to pick three players for your team it's really important to look at these solid legends so you get some versatility in your team comp and your play style, and maybe not the legend that is as fun in terms of those abilities, but is a switch up and is going to be effective in winning. And maybe you and I are weird, Henry, that our favorite legends to play right now are like Loba and Rampart, these legends that are kind of in this lower tier. They have a different utility than what I think the average player would consider to be incredibly fun, but we're still enjoying the heck out of it.
1: Yeah. You know, at the top, those kits are very simple. Scan, mm-hmm. phase, grapple, stem, very approachable. You get to into some complexity with this next list, the mm-hmm. lifeline, the Valkyrie, the horizon. So and the I think the learning curve the further we get into the
0: game, like the more complex legend abilities are going to yeah. have to be in general. Like we're just adding more legends that's going to happen. So we'll see if any of these complex legends can ever break into the top tier uh, consistently.
1: 100%. And then, kind of, some significant changes within this solid group is mm-hmm. Lifeline is down almost a full percent at 0.8% this season. Why is that? Not really sure, honestly. I think that Lifeline has a really strong kit, and this may be a similar case to Octane and Wraith at the top, just being. There's a lot of Lifeline mains. She's right up there at the top of the solid list,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: maybe she just kind of lost a little bit of popularity uh, for newer legends or new updates and things like that. But point A is pers- is significant, so it's important to point out
0: meta shifts as well in terms of just like what people are deciding to play in terms mm-hmm. of like trying to win. Like if that plays against a legend, that could have an impact for a season. Not saying that's the case for Lifeline, but another variable to definitely note.
1: Yeah. And I, I, maybe there's some listeners that don't know why we're talking about that, you know, because a change in pick rate this significant, why did that happen? Mm-hmm. We kind of need to know why that happened. There was no balancing change to Lifeline, there was no like marketing campaign that told people to stop playing Lifeline. Mm-hmm. Like this just naturally happened. Why did it happen? Because that's a huge indicator as to just the player base mm-hmm. ecosystem if things are playing out and people are not playing lifeline as much as they were last season i don't know maybe in other situations time will take away yeah. from other legends mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. don't have to have major nerfs or buffs to competing like competing legends so that's why we're talking about lifeline and maybe some others, because we want to know why pick rate changes, because that's the only reason it matters. And if nothing changed, we'd have to pay attention to that because it can be applied to other legends and other potential issues.
0: Totally. 100%.
1: Other changes, Bangalore is down 1.6%, double that of Lifeline, second most to decrease over the last season. Very significant, probably the same deal as uh, Octane and Wraith. Horizon and Caustic, though, are up 1.1 and 1.7 respectively in pick rate. Why is that? Mm-hmm. I think there's a strong indicator for that. What do you think, Shane?
0: I mean, it's the one that we've talked about for ages as a potential variable. We have reiterated it on this show. We think the maps affect the pick rate. We think the meta affects the pick rate. And Kings Canyon has constantly been a caustic just love fest you know every split we get back there that could be a very big attribute for that you've talked about horizon being successful in kind of some of these more building environments where you get to switch up and around all the time and you know people love their grenades on their grenade holds for uh, or their uh, cargo oh, i'm blanking on the name of it right now give it That's to me cool. give- no, I'm thinking of the, uh, explosive the explosive holds, holds. explosive yeah. holds. Thank you. No cuts on the video pod. This is heartbreaking. The explosive holds, you're carrying more nades. You're having more fun with horizons, black hole in turn. I think there's just some Kings Canyon translation with both those legends. And that's a very big case. It seems like for each season when we look at adjusting things.
1: Yeah. I think it is certainly the reason that maps matter when mm-hmm. we're talking about pick great and this is where I think a sizable amount of those Octane, Wraith, Lifeline, Bangalore mains transitioned into mm-hmm. the second split into Plant, More, Horizon, and Caustic. But going to the next category, these are the lacking legends. We have Fuse, Gibraltar, Seer, Mirage, and Revenant. I don't want to talk about Gibraltar, but his pick rate <laughs> The notable thing is his pick rate stayed exactly the same from season nine to season 10.
0: Mm-hmm. Perfect legend. It, it The conversation around Gibraltar is so hard because it, it is very much the pro scene versus general public. Like what they do with Gibraltar is a real indicator of. What matters and what the priorities are like we just said 99.6 percent pick rate in the algs scene you have pros on twitter saying they want to see something other than gibby in the meta if they cater to that there is no indicator from this number to showcase that should be a thing and that's kind of an interesting balance and one to monitor in the future but the dude's been absolutely solid we think he's one of the best legends to win with we feel like he's necessary To win with in terms of building out team comps and such so this one just comes down to like we've been talking about is he as fun to play some people say even though you move at the same speed you feel slow when you're gibraltar and because of that it's not as enjoyable not movement i think having a dome and an arm shield pretty dang fun though and you get to throw a big big bombardment down on folks this one's always boggled our mind
1: (laughs) yeah i i really don't want to talk about it because I'm Just keep scared going. <laughs> that Gibraltar is going to get touched with balancing. But truly, you don't need to listen to the podcast to know that you should be playing Gibraltar. Just look at the cover art. Like You don't even have to play this episode. Look at the poster. <laughs> Just look at our stuff, and you will get the message that Gibraltar is very strong. I cannot get enough of him. I think he's the best, and I hope that he maintains his power and versatility. I really do. Moving right along. Moving right along. (laughs) Fuse on this list of lacking legends is up Mm 0.8%. I think that this is in part due to Kings Canyon. More grenades, explosive holds, Mm -hmm. more buildings. I think it does make sense. That's why Fuse is up. Now, Mirage, our boy, is down 0.6%. RIP. Very sad. You know, it's sad to see that. The rationale for that is potentially unclear, mm-hmm. but it's more interesting to see in what company is Mirage. Mm-hmm. If Mirage and Gibraltar are really close, that's a little troubling. Yeah. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's fascinating to say the least. And I think that Seer being in this list of he released this season, now he's in the bottom third, right next to Mirage. To me, that's a failure.
0: To me, this tier screams the, what impact do influencers and pros have on the games? They took to Twitter, reiterated how oppressive and strong Seer is. Seer got hit with live balance nerfs. Seer is now at the bottom, like close to the bottom of this tier itself. And that's sad to see when he was at the top. He was with Bloodhound very healthily. And now he doesn't even compare to Bloodhound. Yeah. And then you have Gibraltar. Are we going to see a similar thing happen because of public opinion from the pros? I don't
1: want to talk about that. Okay. Keep going. Keep going. Sorry. 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 sorry, No talking about Gibraltar. It's just
0: fascinating to see what, from the data we can see, dictates some of these changes. This data maybe shows us that, like, if you want to base it off everybody, get into the 5.5, which I'm not sure if that's the right move to do. But Seer definitely shouldn't have gotten hit with his nerf because he was closer to more relevant before he got hit with all the nerfs, essentially. And a similar thing happened to Horizon 2, another new legend. So tough to see.
1: I have to agree that Seer's state is based off of public outcry. We were on the same page in that Seer wasn't overcranked to the max. He wasn't breaking the game. There Mm -hmm. was skill involved. You could tweak a couple things but other than that seer had a place that was balanced against bloodhound bloodhound maintained viable we both had situations where we would rather play bloodhound than seer Mm -hmm. and vice versa and unfortunately he got tanked pretty hard his ultimate is still very strong passive is very applicable in some situations the tactical though i just think is a little slow on the release time and you that can dodge drained it. a lot of t-
0: power. You can dodge it, was, it left and right now. Yeah,
1: I think there's work they could do to bring that back up, um, mm-hmm. and we could have a conversation about damage or no damage. But I'm sad where Seer is right now. Yep. Last guy on this list is Revenant. He got attention in season nine, but as expected, as we predicted, he fell back down. He's a niche legend. You know, mm-hmm. he went down 1.1 percent. And he just requires this high degree of team communication and, quite frankly, situational luck. Um, And so he just isn't going to stay in that solid legend group. And he's going to trend more down to the bottom.
0: He's in that public outcry, one for sure. Because when people talk about Rev, all you hear is Rev. And whether that's the case or not, you can see it's really not the case right now. So, one to monitor for sure. But this tier to me is just so funny because it just screams pros. And content creators and streamers. Well, let's wrap it up with the last year.
1: Finally, the unpopular legends. We have Rampart, Watson, and Crypto. Oof. Man, Rampart underrated. Mm-hmm. Say it. We'll be saying it again shortly, you know, in She's upcoming awesome. episodes. Mm-hmm. She is up 0.4%, but that is not a substantial change mm-hmm. given the buff that she received. Um, so it's just kind of a shame that she went back down. Um These legends, though, at the bottom do have similarities, and it's that they require preparation. Their ability to react to different situations is the weakest of any legend. Mm -hmm. That is the takeaway from this unpopular legends group. Now, the question being, should these legends be buffed? And I'll pose this to you. Is there an argument for these three having strong kits that offer unpopular playstyles, but not blatantly underpowered legends
0: so i've had a pretty strong opinion on like this group for a long time one that i think we should workshop a little bit but i've always said if the legend can win like if the win rate is good enough i don't mind that the playstyle is not popular and my counter argument for that was that or my argument for that was that If the legend's not played in pubs because they're not enjoyable, that's okay. But if they have a presence in ranked or the pro scene, like awesome. Like there's a, there's a place for them and there's always going to be bottom legends. We'll always talk about it, but we are talking about a large gap between these ones and the middle, like it's pretty substantial at this point. And so I think the fact that you're not seeing Watson, crypto and rampart have a niche anywhere. They're not a pubs legend. They're not a ranked legend in terms of the meta right now. That I think is what should dictate maybe some change. And whether it's a, you know, a rework side grade kind of thing versus just giving them a power boost to try and force people to play that play style. I think that's maybe more where the conversation should be centered. There just needs to be an audience for these legends. But in the end, if we got to throw some people to the bottom, it's going to always end up being these ones that aren't as uh, popular in play style to have fun with.
1: Yeah, I agree with what you're saying. I definitely do. I think that these legends and their inability to react as well as other legends is the clear indicator, but I do not believe that the answer is giving them that reactive ability. Totally. I don't think that's going to do it because I think you run a risk of just turning crypto into a completely different legend or copying another legend. Mm -hmm. So I think that if you want to make these three better, you have to make it so much better for them to prepare instead of react. Mm -hmm. Currently, I think that crypto's EMP packs a serious punch. And Mm -hmm. if you can place it and prepare, you're well off. Same with Rampart and her walls, and Sheila and Watson's ability to hold down an area and just tell people, "Do not mess with me," is strong. They are not enough, though, in order to pull How up that How often are you
0: in those situations? Mm-hmm. How so often can that. you force your teammates to play into that positioning? Mm-hmm. It's far and very far and in between at this point. Watson, yeah. when you could place the ultimate and not have to ever worry about it. It was easy to play. It was difficult playstyle, but it was an easy playstyle to play, had a space in the games. Now she's hard to play and an unpopular play style, and she's near the bottom. Like, that's just in of itself, and crypto's a tough one just because of the, diff. it's a different game entirely when you play crypto, and getting people yeah. to adapt, that is gonna be hard regardless of what you do.
1: And you love crypto.
0: Very much. I am fun. a huge crypto fan,
1: yeah. And I love Rampart.
0: Like, Mm -hmm. I think all three of these
1: have powerful kits. Watson being kind of an exception, but (laughs) she does have power. The question, though, is do you change it? Or is it just a different play style that can be rewarding, but the game just doesn't really fit the legends? It's not that these legends don't have very powerful kits when you look at them directly. But if you zoom out and look at the pick rates of everybody else and all the kits of the other legends, Mm -hmm. they just don't fit in the same
0: game as the majority do. And the last thing I'll say on this before we wrap it up is do you devote resources, time, and attention to legends that have an incredibly small impact on the player base? I think it's a tough thing to say. Like, do you give Watson attention for having. 1.6% 1.6% of the player base, 1.7%. Yeah. Hard. Really hard. And that brings us right into the conclusion.
1: You mm-hmm. know, there's always going to be legends at the bottom. Like you said, Shay, we think it's okay to have legends at the top. To us, it's clear that maps matter for legend power and popularity. And it's also true that legends can receive massive changes like Revenant or Rampart. And still not have drastic increases in players. Mm -hmm. Players are driven by character and play style, not numbers. Mm -hmm. And that's a big pill to swallow for some of us. You know, a mobile turret is excellent marketing to play Rampart, but once a player gets in there and plays her kit, they're going to realize that she still requires patience and strategy and placing the amped covers and Mm -hmm. actually maximizing her efficiency. So it all comes down to what do people want to play? What's fun?
0: Totally. Totally. That was a long one, folks. Let's, let's wrap it up with one five-star question. Let's just throw one in here at the end. We're going to come from Dr. Bad Karma. Why did you guys stop the good games pod? Love hearing about other games from you too. Thank you for the question. When we've discussed that length, uh, personally as of late, (laughs)
1: Yeah, I don't want to get anybody's hopes up, um, mm. but we're currently pursuing two potential routes to bring the Good Games podcast back. By no means is that a promise. Do not think that
0: it is. He is in not stone. promising it. Yeah.
1: This is not a promise. This is only a tease and a reminder that we do still care. I like that show. Yes. Love the intro music, love the content. Um, doesn't quite work for what we're doing right now, but we are currently pursuing two different avenues to bring good games
0: back yep totally because we have to figure out a route for it to work from you know henry and i are working full time right now we got to make it worth the time and we don't want it to hurt apex's you know third party pod at all so that's where we got to balance things for sure but thanks for the question and thank you to our producer of the third party 10 who supports us on patreon in his very own tier as of now, make sure you subscribe on Apple Pods. Drop a follow on Spotify. Leave a five-star review with your question. We'll answer it on the next episode. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Third Party Pod. Check out the Discord via the link in the description. Thank you so much for listening to the Third Party Podcast. We will catch you next time. Peace. Hey now, another squad coming in. Boom, whole squad down. I'll maybe tomorrow.